Oh, hey there, listeners and juicers. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to let you know that if you have fallen in love with the Draw Your Dice podcast and want to help put some new fruit on the table, but don't feel comfortable making a monthly commitment, well, you can support the show via the ACAST supporter feature. No gift too large, nor too small. Just click on the link in the show description and know that I am sending you the strongest hug when you do so. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. I, I, I don't think seeking permission is, is the first thing you should do. I think that creation is, is, the, is the first goal. My name is Jeremy Gage, and welcome to the Draw Your Dice podcast. This is an educational show involving all things tabletop role-playing industry. Listen alongside me as we hear from creators, entrepreneurs, and supporters about their personal best practices, principles, and philosophies. I encourage anyone from the budding game designer to a seasoned publisher everyone in between to sit down with us and enjoy today's episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Draw Your Dice podcast. My name is Jeremy Gage, as you heard in the intro. But as always, the show is never about me. It is about a beautiful guest that I have for you here today. You may know them, and it's going to be a good time. The face, the voice, the personality behind Collabs Without Permissions, editor with Moonrat Conspiracy, has a little secret game in the works, I'd like to welcome to the show, bye, Huntsman! Here I am, hello! <sighs> hello! Hello, bye. Hello, Jeremy, and every and, and all of your wonderful viewers. Hello. <laughs> hello. It is so nice uh, is to a- be here today. I loved the audience cheering. <laughs> Yes, for all all 200 people that are fitting in my office right now. Oh, they're all waving. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Vi, as we always begin the show, would you just give a brief introduction of who you are, just in case people don't know you and are under a rock or something like that? And also any plugs or anything like that where they can get in touch with you, any any way to like get to your services and things like that? Hello, hello, hello. I am Vi Huntsman. I am editor, YouTuber, video essayist extraordinaire if you want to see a little sci-fi short film review i made of mothership you should just google mothership review on youtube and look up my channel collabs without permission if you want to listen to me tweet infrequently and support boost other creators you should look me up on twitter at i'm a waffle bunny and you can DM me there, or you can find me on Discord in the Exalted Funeral server, or just like wherever. I'm on the Brain Trust Discord, although I mostly lurk. Just like DM me. Just like say hi and be like, Vi, I heard you're an editor. 
I can edit your game. That's me. Hell yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, additionally, Vi, as, this, as the second piece of this icebreaker for the listeners, would you also walk us through how you got into the tabletop space, how you started playing games or how you were exposed to them, and then what sort of made you decide that I want to support these authors through my abilities or did you try in game design like walk 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 us through that so a, a, a young babe of of i don't remember how old i was <laughs> i was i was thinking to myself one day there's this wait we might we might edit this out no you're okay so there's a there's this interesting anecdote in mormonism that says that when you if you are if you reach the highest tier of the celestial kingdom and get a high score you can make your own worlds and i was like oh that sounds really cool but i want to do that now and so i <laughs> i was like there's got to be something for this right and i found i'd, I'd like to be a, a goody two shoes and and just have a nice clean hands and say that i just like found fifth edition, but what I really found was the Trove, and I pirated a lot of tabletop games. A small, small moment of silence for the Trove. Mm. Okay, is any of that usable? Should I should I go back and not mention? No, that's great. No, it showcases who you are. You wanted to say it, so let's go. Um, not practicing at the moment. Or in sure. the future, but you know what? That's how it started. That's the truest. This is the this is the truest account. I don't think I've ever mentioned that before, but that is really where it started. Where I was like, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know if I'm really bought into this whole thing, but the idea sounds cool. And I was like, I yeah. One of the first games I played was Fifth Edition D and D Fifth Edition. I played a little bit of Fiasco, or I ran everything because you know I was the one that was like, hey, do you want to come play pretend at my house? And everyone was like, I guess. But yeah, it was it was D and D Five E. It was Fiasco. I, I I tried my hardest to make it to what I wanted it to be, and um, but eventually I just I found people in in other corners of other scenes doing much cooler things that I was much more interested in. Um, one of those people that I found online, there was a a person by the name of Matt Kelly, who was selling some books. And I bought one of them, and we kind of got in touch a little bit, and I figured out that he was starting a web store called Exalted Funeral, and it was right in the very, very early beginnings of it. And, and yeah, he just was, like, reselling some books by, like, ordering them in, in bigger quantities and selling them on a web store, and one of those books was called Disciples of Bone and Shadow by Black Oath Entertainment. It was a single-player game, kind of dungeon crawl, hex exploration on a, on a dying world, you know, kind of really cool stuff. And, and I was reading it, and um, I, I played around with it. I, I played it completely wrong. They were like, <laughs> I haven't told Alex this yet, but I got on his Discord server once, and I was like, hey... I bought a horse. And everyone was like, whoa, you survived a long time to buy a horse. What really happened is there's this trait. Okay, sorry, side side tangent. There's this trait that you can get in the game that says, like, you can... It gives you, like, plus one damage for each hit that you land on, like, a certain type of creature or whatever. And I bought it, like, five times. You're, you're only supposed to be able to buy it once. But so I was just like wrecking shop and it was, it was great. Not the intended experience, but you know what? We'll, we'll call it my first, my first experience hacking a game. Well, that's what we'll call it. And, uh, but anyway, I found, this is, this is another deep truth in me, but I'm, um, I'm just, I'm a little annoying, little nasty little freak. 
And I, I, I noticed like a couple spelling errors here and there, or like a couple grammatical errors. And I was like, I was like, you know what? I've done this several times in my life. There was one time where I was doing a packet for a extra credit in high school, and it was an English packet. And I, I took a red pen to the whole thing and like got where they got like page numbers wrong and, and like grammar wrong and punctuation wrong. And I made like a table of like errors in the on the inside front cover and sent it back. They never emailed me back, unfortunately. They didn't want to uh, hire me as their editor. But you how know what? How old were you when you did that? I was, that was my senior year of high school. So, wow. However, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm just annoying. Luckily, though. <laughs> When I emailed um, Alex, I was like, hey, just, I found some, some spelling errors. Would it be okay if I, like, sent them over? And he was like, yeah, sure. Like, that's, that's cool. And I'm like, okay, I, here are a bunch from the entire book. And I took notes, and, and, he, and here's the page numbers and how I would rewrite a couple sentences, but mostly just some errors. And he was like, the whole book? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, this is, this is valuable work. You should, be, you should be getting paid for this. And I was like, really? And so it was great. He was like, yeah, we're doing a reprint. We sold out like the hardcover run. I'm just, I mean, like it was cool. It was one of, it's, one of, it's like the first book that Exalted Funeral independently produced as opposed to just like reselling stuff or facilitating creators getting their books to. And, uh, and so he's like, yeah, we're doing like a, a soft cover reprint. Do you want to, do you want to edit it? And I was like, yes. And so I did. And that was my first editing job. That's how I got into it by being, uh, just a perfectionist. <laughs> yes. I love it. That's such, what a, <laughs> I think it's so amazing that like, and this is the reason why, why I think this is very cool is because there, I watch a lot of like entrepreneurial YouTube channels and stuff like that. And a lot of them talk about how you have to kind of do the free stuff in the beginning to really set yourself up as a expert in your field or to, to have case study for people to hire you for mm. those sorts of creative works. Yeah. And so I find it so fascinating that it was already like an intrinsic, I will use the word passion. I don't know if, if that is the word you would use for this, but sort of an intrinsic passion for making sure that the language is as clear as possible for the person that it is being translated to. In a, in a couple of previous episodes that haven't come out yet on Dryer Dice, I had a conversation with Amber Seeger, a.k.a. at Rocket Orca on Twitter, who does a lot of like UX design stuff. And we talked about a conceptualization that people are computers, we are the hardware, and we all have different hardwares, and then games are software. And if a game isn't written well, code-wise, right, it's not going to transfer well into our computer, it's going to have glitches and bugs, memory loss, things like that. So I think that I'm on the side of the spectrum, it's like the the language, the the verbiage, the vocabulary that you use and the way you translate it to an individual matters. It can matter a lot because you want to make it as simple as possible, not only for the expert consumer of tabletops, the person that has like a hundred books on a single shelf and the person who has zero books, but wants to start playing with their friends, maybe maybe is being the considerate individual to run a game from games for your GMs, please. We, we want to play. We do, please. <laughs> please. Oh, and we don't always want to resort to solo or co-op games. We want a GM. 
at least that. But I think that's amazing. I think that's amazing that you took took on that initiative to do that for for your friend Matt and just a really really cool experience. Additionally, I also want to add how did you start doing the YouTube channel? Like why did you start start doing collabs without permissions? It's honestly embarrassing the number of times that I've rewatched my own videos because the YouTube channel is not for you out there. It's not. It's for me. (laughs) It's like your own personal journal that you just have on the internet. (laughs) It's right. No, no. In, In reality, what happened was I was, I think that it is a super common gateway into like consuming more YouTube content to say that you know, I, I think I'll be the millionth person to say that I was really inspired by every frame, every frame a painting on YouTube, talking about mm, film stuff mm. and and the many imitators and and and, and rather people who are I- the the imitators and the iterators and all the people that, that made lots of video essay content and I I really loved a lot of that. Like I spent a lot of time watching a lot of those videos. I can't deny it. And I mm. kind of got really passionate about RPGs and uh, my roommate, Anna, who run, who now runs a very cool podcast, a narrative podcast called Find Us Alive. You should watch that. Was gonna was starting to do YouTube as well. And I was like, hey, can I could I make a video or two with your with your camera, Anna? And she was like, yes, do it. Be a YouTube, be, a, be a dirty YouTuber with me. Um <laughs> filthy youtube <laughs> it's true and um and so i was like okay what's what's going on here there's there's questing beast who was a huge contributor to me getting into like being becoming aware of mostly kind of osr trad kind of products and i didn't know a lot of other names and there was a light bulb that went on in my brain where i was like there are not video essayists about tabletop games i think mm. that questing beast like com- like very solidly fills a very specific niche and i was like I, I was looking but i was looking at all the other blank space and like the whole possibility space of what we could be doing on youtube with tabletop games and so i was like you know I'm going to I'm going to make a questing beast video just for fun and so i did and then i was like and now i'm going to try something else so my first video was kind of a top-down flip-through. It was kind of, I, I was very deliberately imitating the way that he spoke and the way that he moved his hands and the way that he presents his videos. And it was really funny. And and I, I did that because I wanted his attention. I can't, I mean, we that, that's obvious. And also because I decided to name my channel Collabs Without Permission. Because one of the many reasons it's called that is because I was just, I, I was totally making just like a pastiche of his style. And that, and that was really appealing to me. I was like, you know, I really want to do that. And so with my second video, I made a pastiche of like Dale Kingsmill and this one thing called Explanation Point. I did like two Brian David Gilbert segments from like Polygons Unraveled. I did just some stuff on a snowy mountain because I wanted to. And I was just like, and it was so fun. It was so fun. And so I, I've just kind of made that like my thing because I've always I've always really enjoyed like like just writing and I I'm pretty I mean like as as an editor like it's not the best like like I, you know to to kind of jump conversations I think it's important to have an editor and this is kind of a self a self pride thing where I have to like you know dig myself into the dirt a little bit where I'm like when I write something I will have to hire an editor like I can't be my own editor yeah. on the other hand 
when I write something, it's quite concise. I feel like I'm pretty good at relaying my ideas. And so when writing YouTube scripts, I was like, this is that that's this is scratching that itch because when you, you know, leave schooling, you don't really have to write essays anymore usually. But I was like, mm-hmm. this is kind of scratching that that creative writing itch where I can talk about games and I can think about ways to present them in a thematic way that brings the viewer into the world of the of the book or game you're talking about. And it's just been a huge it's just been so much fun. I don't know. I mean, like, yeah, it's because it's fun. It's because I felt like it was needed. And it seems to be doing pretty okay. Mm -hmm. Sometimes people talk about me and I don't realize it. And I'm like, man, when I'm listed among, you know, like next to Questing Beast as like the one of the people that got me started, I think it's kind of humbling where I'm like, you know, mm-hmm. oh, I've been listening to, there was this one, I think it was probably on Reddit. <laughs> Someone was like, any <laughs> favorite tabletop YouTubers? I've been listening to like Questing Beast and Collapse Without Permission. And I'm like, oh, okay. Like I'm, I'm on the list. That's cool. <laughs> I'm in the club. You know what I mean? I can uh-huh. get in. <laughs> That's, oh God. I just, I just, I just love it. Especially from a, like a fellow content creators sort of space. You know, I feel, I feel the same way as you when someone's like, yeah, I've been listening to, uh, plus one XP and, and draw your dice and all these other shows that are out there on the podcast space. Uh, And it, it truly like to get a recommendation from a person who I've never made Twitter contact with is, I don't know, almost a little tearing sometimes when it happens like enough times, like, Oh shoot. Cool. Great. And it's just, it's just beautiful. And you do, you do great work. You're really, really thorough in, especially for the videos I've watched, especially I was, I don't know if you remember this, but I, I'm roll to forge on YouTube, at least on my like goof account. And I was on your, a look through invisible sun when you're drinking wine. So uh-huh. that's my first video touch point for you, from me to you. That um, was a fun one. That was, that was, yep. <laughs> anyway, sorry. <laughs> yeah. I don't talk too no, it was me. good. It was good. But you've been, you've been just to add more to your own personal ego, you've been recommended several times by different people to get you here on the show. So I'm happy that, that we can be here today and you're obviously making an impact in the industry overall and helping people to what degree is to them. But for me, I think you're, I feel like we share a lot of a similar energy when it comes to how we communicate our personalities in in content form i think we're both mildly casual we don't like over set up or like i just watched the one you did of arc doom where you're just walking in the woods yeah. hanging out with your cameraman and the other one where you announced the july book club which i would love for you to sort of talk about as well just to create more awareness for it just hanging out in the backyard which is great you know what i mean just on your phone just hey can you hear me great perfect all right so <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's good i i love your energy I think that it's partially, I did a, I did a, like a 1000 subscriber live stream to celebrate mm-hmm. the other day. Cause I hit that milestone, which was very exciting. I try not to look, I, I try not to hugely anticipate numerical milestones, but that was a mm-hmm. fun one to celebrate mm-hmm. after it came, you know? And in that live stream, I think someone hit it on the head where they were like, you know, I think that my stuff is not the most polished, but it's earnest. And I think yeah. that's a, that's a, that's a space that I am so happy to occupy for the entirety of my time here. Right. I don't want to look like a professional production facility. I don't, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't, I don't need a lot of that. And I think that 
there's a very specific... Uh-huh. Anyway, no. I was going to just <laughs> go into talking about the cynicism in, in corporate video making and the, the false, <laughs> the false like, camaraderie, like the producer behind the camera and all that stuff. But mm. I'm, I'm more happy to just like, you can tell it's a one-person show, and, mm-hmm. and that's the way I kind of like it right now. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I don't know if I would ever... At the, just to do more interviews... Maybe someone could edit my audio for me, but other than that, like I don't see myself scaling out of what I'm doing right now. As and in addition to other work, so Kindred Spirits is really what I'm trying to sell to you here. If you feel similarly great, if not, also fine. <laughs> <laughs> I I think that I I consume like a lot of of tabletop media, and I think it's fun mm-hmm. seeing those touch points. I feel I feel the kindred spiritness across the web jeremy touching one day yeah so so you know the journey for youtube has been great let's let's sort of get into more of the what you do content wise in the industry and and editing and everything like that so you know this is still a little new for me so i hope these questions are guiding for any of the listeners that are thinking about different ways they can contribute or make or help or make money doing different skills. So recently for me, I did a, just as an example of showcasing this sort of stuff, I recently talked about how I don't feel like I'm a systems designer in a lot of ways. I think a lot of people, when they first start making games, they feel like they have to systems hack or something like that, or make their own dice pool, whatever, or use cards. And that's just not how my brain works. I usually start with good ideas, but I'm really bad at iteration. Like, I'm absolutely terrible at it. And I get really, I get kind of, like, sullen about, like, man, this does not feel like a good idea. And then I kick it to the curb. I've been trying to, like, systems design for, like, the last six months. But recently, I started taking on some projects where I was doing content design. This is stealing from, like, video game industry terminology. But basically, I make... My setting stuff, NPCs, a GM toolkit things, like just stuff that just feeds off of the system. Mm-hmm. And I write lore, I'm writing lore bits and stuff for different games. And so that's been really eye opening to me. And I've had people respond to that, like, oh, I guess I'm sort of like a systems designer because I hate writing content. <laughs> I despise <laughs> it. And that's been really eye opening. So the reason why I start in that way is that Vi, first of all, being an editor, what kind of can you can you show us like what a day in the life of an editor sort of goes with when you're in the work and then we can sort of after that talk about like what can game authors or designers do to ap- give a best practices of how to approach you for work right yeah yeah day in the life yeah day in the life i wake up at 2 p.m and i get a no <laughs> that classic entrepreneur i wake up at 4 30 every morning and i do meditative <laughs> yoga while coffee is siphoned into me via needle <laughs> just whew, no antithesis um i think that the, so the workflow of for, for me as an editor is is that the uh, and this is something that the people who you're talking about who are systems writers or content writers are going to be acutely aware of, which is that if we, if we want to take a second to dip into like the realities of, of writing for tabletop is that Mm -hmm. when you are a writer for tabletop stuff, unless you are like 
one person in a company or like you are a freelance hired writer for a company, you are not going to be just the writer. You're going to be the writer, the project manager, the the person managing the editors and the proofreaders, the person doing like commissioning art and the person running the Kickstarter and managing budgets and bank stuff. It is it's a huge it's a huge <laughs> load of work. It's not, you're not just a writer. Let's, let's, let's bill ourselves correctly for all of the, all of the important work that we do for ourselves and for mm-hmm. others. And so by necessity, then the, the writer approaches me or I approach them with, with like, you know, I noticed you are making a thing and I would like to help do the, do the refining process. Or they say, Hey, Vi, I heard about this moon rat thing. And I'm like, Mwahaha. Um, <laughs> just just laugh ominously from the shadow it, do, it, it doesn't communicate well over email but i i you know type it out in asterisks and all that <laughs> um, so professional and so they it's usually in google docs if it's a very long manuscript split it up by chapter but i get the manuscript and i figure out what it needs most of the time the author has something in mind but there are a couple different things that we can do for a manuscript if it's in like a quite finished state maybe if another copy editor has gone over it already we can just jump straight to proofreading which is the lightest touch and i'm going to be stealing directly from will yobst here will i see you (laughs) on twitter something they said was just like it it really like just very clarified my own job for me which was that proofreading is for checking individual words right so there might be just like things you've misspelled or you put an apostrophe in the wrong place or, you know, you use the wrong word in an idiom. I check for that sort of thing. That's that's proofreading. If it's the first time an editor has gotten their teeth into a document, then usually what you need is copy editing. So mm-hmm. the way Will described it was that's like looking at individual sentences and that's like how they flow into each other, you know, if it's too long or too short. I think that something that's important to me is is although it can seem impressive sometimes... There have been jobs that I have... Oh, don't repeat this. Don't put this on your podcast, Jeremy. No, no, you can put... Wait, am I really? (laughs) (laughs) Um, There have been been sections of book where... And I I preface this thrice over. This is not a metric of the quality of editing. But I've cut, like, more than 50% from some sections of of game Mm -hmm. where I'm like, you know... We're just going to, that's some of that where it's like, oh, this, this has been repeated a couple times anyway. And then the last one is dev editing, which is like, hey, we're going to look at the manuscript as a whole. We're going to look at order of information. We're going to try to make sure that it's being communicated in the very clearest way on a very like meta level, like the order the chapters are in, the order that like, or like how we present information, something, and and this is not only for systems, but you were talking about writing adventures. One of my fellow comrades in editing was talking about how in a dev job they were doing for an adventure, what they were able to do was it, it ended up a lot longer because the editor was like, hey, this is all really great. I want you to make like these couple things, like you should keep writing in this area to like because that would be like really useful tools for people that are running your adventure that you're writing. And yeah, so it's just like, that's where, that's where the scope of editing just explodes and becomes, you know, individual words, individual sentences, and then everything. The jump is insane. Yeah. It's just like, (laughs) Hmm. Hmm. How about you write a lot more? Or how about we just take this whole section out? Or how about we rewrite the way that the everything is formatted? I don't know. It's just it's just everything. And so, you know, a day in the life then would be I sit down, I, I check myself to be like, all right, am I copy editing, am I proofreading? I 
tune up those annoying like you, you click on one and they're in your recommended for the rest of all time just like the exactly one hour long youtube videos those are mm-hmm. so good for me those are so good because i edit for exactly an hour and then i'm like you know mm-hmm. what i'm gonna just pause and do something else and then come back with another one hour just exactly one hour long youtube video of just <laughs> background music those are so great that would be my my top one stay at, like working at home tip is is those one hour youtube videos and i just i just go to work I just eat words. They sustain me. It sounds like there's a lot of really cool benefits just outside. So what I'm hearing is that there is both a polishing energy, but also a sort of consulting slash development energy as well in terms of being an editor. And I think that's a huge benefit because a lot of, times when people talk about editing it's just like oh you definitely need a second pair of eyes on this because your own personal eyes are gonna it's gonna miss stuff you're gonna say you know i i when i write first drafts for stuff i write them like i speak and that doesn't always work for all of my projects i have been told and have noticed yeah it depends on the medium (laughs) um and so getting a second pair of eyes on it are really important because it's hard to take yourself out of that but also on the the benefit of like the developmental front of having a second pair of eyes say, Hey, I found this bit particularly confusing and you're not like, you're not writing, right? I think what is important here is that you're not writing anything. You're saying, yeah, because you, I think on the, on the same potential con of that development side or something to be wary of is that you're, what do I want to say? This is going to be sound a little bougie, but you're not the artist, right? Like, you're not going to come in and say, like, oh, I totally think this D6 system should turn into a D8 system. Or I think that instead of a necromancer at the end of this adventure, I think it would be better if it was a dragon. Like, that's not what you're coming in here to do. You're just here to point out, like, hey, this was difficult for me to digest. Is there any ideas that you have that could deflate the the growth here or deflate the the excess that i don't feel it needs or that it's too too much or too little right i don't have enough explanation of like Mm. the genre that you're sitting in to deliver the idea of the necromancer like we face zero zombies in this how am i supposed to know that this is what i'm preparing for (laughs) maybe that's just an idea but there's 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 two aspects to that one of which ties into how the the you know the writer of the adventure does far more than writing which is that you know Mm -hmm. we it's it's hard to it's it's better as an editor to have a little bit of flexibility in what role you can play so by having a couple tools in my tool belt i am able to kind of be flexible to the needs of you know what might be like a two-person project you know sometimes it's literally just you know the author and and i or and also maybe an illustrator sometimes a lot of people illustrate their own stuff and so if, if they're able to fill a whole ton of roles and i'm able to do like one to three you know that is that that's uh, makes it easier to manage the project. That's something I ran into with my YouTube channel too, which is that recently one of my good friends was like, "Hey, can I write a video for you to perform? Because I'm not very, I'm kind of camera shy, but I I have like some fun ideas." And we've been just like hashing it out over a couple weeks because it's like you know it's not wow. I'm not at the scale where I can hire a writer for my YouTube mm-hmm. channel. You know, it's just kind of the, the the space that we inhabit. And the other half is that you know. It is very much, you, you hit it right on the head, which is that it's very much not my role to, to write. Like, if I think that a sentence would be better if there were, if, if, if every single word in it was different, then 
you know, or, or rather like the ideas in it were different. That's not, that's not the job that I'm here to do. Part of my style, mm-hmm. like part of the briefs that I send to, to writers is that part of my editing style is like, if I can tell you searched really hard for just the right word, then I, I, I work really hard to keep that word in there because I can mm-hmm. tell that that's part of what you're trying to communicate. And so it's, you know, I'm not going to come in and, and rewrite your thing, but it's, it, it, it's very much, and, and that's part of what makes editing a little bit invisible is that I'm here to, to just like trim off the very top of, of what you're doing and make it look as pretty as it can be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, I, it's interesting that, that you mentioned that someone is trying to approach you for like to, to <laughs> execute their idea for them because just yesterday, per the recording of this, I was talking about how I'm fi- I I want to do some sort of tabletop RPG design agency, essentially, and be like, hey, pitch us a game idea you have. And, you know, on crew, I have a systems designer, a content designer, I have an editor. If we want to do an actual play of it, I have a video editor I can call and a sound editor, stuff, something like that. And so... I was also thinking about, like, there are just people who don't want to, like, put in the time, but they want to see this thing come to fruition. What if there was just, like, a mercenaries <laughs> designer guild that's like, hey, I have a really cool idea for a trad game. Cool. What what do you want in it? Because we'll figure it out. And, you know, I think it's, like, the scientist. And I don't know. If you're out there and you think that's a cool idea and, you know, let's fucking make that happen. But let's start a co-op. Um, come on. Let's do it. Yes. Co-op tabletop co-op but to but to follow that so vi what can a designer author writer what when they approach you what can they do what can they tell you what do you ask for that sets you up for success for the process like is there like a this is going to be specific to you. This may not be specific to every editor out there, but like what does turnaround look like in some cases? You know, can you, are you able to break that down for us? Mm, mm. I think that part of it is, and, and, and part of this is on me as, as kind of the person that is viewing the product or rather mm-hmm. the, like the, what, what you're handing me, but it's, it's knowing what your project needs because that is, you know, really drastically going to affect the turnaround because to, to kind of quantify it in a real way instead of, um, you know, a kind of analytics way, I think it's more, it's, it takes more like focus and energy and, and, you know, thinking time for me to, to do those like really big edits, like, like not not only does it does it take longer to like read so I can get a good idea of the the whole section that I'm intending to be looking at, but it's like it's a lot like like keeping an eye out for spelling errors and and just word choice is a lot easier i I can just kind of like do it as I read because that's what comes naturally, but then you know getting really in the weeds and getting like you know we were talking about gardening before we started recording like really getting in in there and getting your hands dirty and i think that you know getting a, an a- accurate assessment of how long it'll take or what your project needs is is on both ends kind of being able to communicate that and it also like those communication things are are really important for how how you look at your own work because There's a, I think that it's, 
there's there's one of my good friends who talks about the way that they view their own writing and they one of the things they said is that when i hand my text off to an editor it ceases to be mine they see their their job in writing as being one part of a a bigger project and i think that looking at your own writing through that lens can be a little bit tough and i think that but i think that it can be really helpful to being able to process what the editor is doing because mm-hmm. their job in the process is to, you know, delete some of those words that you spent a long time writing, you know, looking through a thesaurus or a dictionary or, you know, just, you know, just slaving over an, an empty Google, Google Doc, you know, just like, ugh. And it's, I think it can be a little rough to see just like a whole bunch of work, you know, and, and get, get kind of deleted. And it's like, ugh. Yeah. I think that coming in with the mindset of knowing not only what your project needs, but what it will look like to get that being on the same page as the editor there is so important i think i i've been really lucky there's only been one job where where it seemed like we were really on different pages but most of the time it's been like you know i'm going to be changing words i'm going to be deleting sentences maybe i'm going to be you know doing all this all this stuff i'm going to be making it all look consistent and um i don't know just being prepared for that you know mm-hmm. is is one of the best things you can do yeah, I really think there's there's certainly a difference between criticism and critique. This the reason I think about that mostly is in social media space, but you know that's a whole different mm-hmm. topic in of itself. But Ugh. when when you're connecting with a collaborator for your project on a professional slash creative level, yeah, yeah, I think as an artist you have to be open to the sense that the person that you're sharing this with is not you. And so they're not going to carry the same experience. They're not going to carry the same touch points or inspirations that are sort of invisibly working on your project. And so when someone goes, you know, I, you know, I am, kind of that person with my partner. My partner is also an editor for a lot of different things, like for, like to help me write some stuff. And sometimes I, I'm like, you know what? I know that we love each other and I know that you're good at this, but could you read the whole thing first before you, before you do, please? Uh-huh. I just, I don't think, you know, if you saw the whole thing, would you get it? <laughs> you know, it's one of those things where I can, I can feel a little sensitive about like, you know, just a blatant matter of fact, I don't understand this. I'm like, well, it makes sense if you read chapter three, <laughs> like, you know, it, it, it matters. a lot it, of sense if you're in my head. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the thing I, I is, like, I, if, I relate to that a lot. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, that, that's all just to say, like, you know, the person, the person who wants to help you is not is not giving you criticism. They are not forcing their projections or experience on top of you. But what's important to recognize is that you're making a piece of content, a product, you're doing a service that you are giving to someone else to try to understand, and that needs to be as sort of universal that communication has to be sort of as universal as possible. And maybe the way that you write or maybe the way you initiate the idea, you know, I'm sure writers have surprised you and what they've given you, but sometimes it's not universal. It's, it's for you and for you alone. And if you can't come to come to terms with that, then maybe you just leave it as an ash can project and call it a day, you know, just put it out there as it is and let's see what happens. Yeah, I think that's part of knowing, like, like part of 
what we're talking about, the expansive writer's job, where it's like, hey, you know, it's it's knowing who your audience is. So if you're like, hey, you know, this might be kind of an obscure reference, but I mean, like, it's worth it to keep it in because of what it adds for me and the people who get it. But I think that like, ah, oh, crap, I, I had a I had a, a good one. Oh, I think that part of the editor's job is being an audience stand-in. I think that's mm-hmm. a, a good way to say that concisely. Is that you know, absolutely, it's it's my job very often to I like I love my first read through of a book, even one that I'm editing. You know, that's still that's, that's still reading where I'm able to say like I'm able to see it from from start to finish and say, hey, this this keyword hasn't been introduced yet, or like, oh, this this isn't this doesn't make sense and you know even if the author does you know have that inclination which i which i share which is like oh it makes sense like in the complete whole i have to be like okay yeah i empathize with that but we need to make it make sense in context in the little section here like on the micro level and you know because that's what is going to be easiest for for the audience to to consume it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah, communication language is, is, you know, we work in words. <laughs> we don't work in, you know, some of the words are illustrations. You can send concepts or ideas in that way. But mm-hmm. um, at the end of the day, to get the software into the computer, you need the coding, the language. The, the dot image that you have on there isn't the whole kit and caboodle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Though, I wonder if you could make a game that was just just imagery. Anyways, I bet you. I bet you could. I, I would I bet like you to could. see that. Let um, me know. I won't be able to edit it, but <laughs> <laughs> just starts cutting away like arms and legs of people. I didn't think they needed it. <laughs> Scrapbooking at its finest. Is there? Is there for the would be editor out there? By do you, maybe the beginner one, maybe the veteran one who needs some new juice, maybe for the beginning one. How how what's the best way that they can sort of what's a good workflow to think about? What's you know how can they save themselves some time when they're first getting to the running grounds of this? Mm-hmm. Hmm. You know when I learn about <laughs> when I learn about goddamn affinity publisher and they're like you know it would make things a lot faster is if you just learned the duplicate key instead of right clicking and duplicating over and over again right right (laughs) i think that i think that it's the i think like don't don't have intern brain you know it might be i think one of the things that i did early on was i think i made myself look more impressive by doing things that were not my which i don't think is actually a very helpful thing to do you know if you're i think that it's it's important to you know because we're talking about that that being on the same page thing you know with the between the the writer and the editor i think that i think that it's important to 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 keep in mind you're talking about saving time like it takes and i was talking about you know how much energy it takes to do more complex jobs know what you're in there for and do that and you know just just like let that be like let each project be what it is you know as as much as you might want to revamp a mechanic or 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 add a add a sentence here and there you know i I just think it's it's more valuable to show that you can do what what you know is is expected instead of doing something unexpected and you know gambling with it. it sounds like there's a lot of like me and my partner talk about this a lot when it comes to creative work about like drawing specific boundaries about what it is you're doing. Cause creative freelance can very easily get away from you. And mm. 
if those things aren't communicated to the clients appropriately about what you're there to do, you you can run into the risk of someone being like, oh, could I just have one more pass-through? I don't like this edit. Would you kind of redo it? Like, just sort of, like, revisional stuff that can really blow the scope out of something. Or, you know, is it that you know, are you an editor? It's like, I, I will only take this if it's on, if it's on copy lock. Like, I don't, I don't want to like, have you come back with more stuff beyond what we agreed upon. Right. Like, Oh, you know, while you've been editing for the last couple weeks, I suddenly imagined that I wanted a whole bestiary for this. Would you be willing to add that on? Sure. For extra dollars in time. You know Absolutely. what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. Not as a part of our original agreement. I and think so they- I think, Yeah. I'm just saying that something also to be prepared for for the beginning editor is one of the things you'll have to juggle is being aware of how many words you're editing. So that's Mm. why I like Google Docs. It just has a built-in word count function and a a copy history for the whole document. So what Mm -hmm, I like to do mm -hmm. is I just go into the Google Docs history and I rename the the fresh document with the number of words that it is. And I, I, I am very much in charge of my own, like, word counting, billing, and, and accounting, like very much. Mm. There, was a, there was a rather big job that I did that was kind of the, the typical kind of trad three-book deal where it was like, you know, the player, the GM, and the monster guide. And it took several months, and I, at the end of it, I had to go back through and make sure that I'd been paid for every word, for every book, and divided it between me and my co-editor correctly, and it was, it was, a, lot, it was a little extra work. But mm-hmm. that's one of the, as like a freelance editor, you need to be aware that that's kind of one of the things you'll have to juggle. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Wow, that's great. That's really good. Well, I think that's going to let us transition a little bit into, you know, spicing it up. Trends. You know, what Ooh. vibe, because you're not a game author, I always like the trends section, especially more for the support staff of the industry. What are you seeing that you're enjoying in terms of maybe other editors you're watching or like is there something you're seeing from games that are from games that you're receiving lately or uh, games that you're hearing in social circles about like that are increasing the difficulty of your job or is there a misconception about something what what's something that just like keeps popping up that you keep thinking about talking about that you want to kind of let other people know about or what is a trend within yourself that you would like to speak out into the ether and let someone run away with? Hmm. I've got a, I've got a, I've got two, two things at once for you, which is that I think I actually talked about this elsewhere as well, but about how, you know, there, it's important for me to keep in mind that there is no way, no way on earth that I could edit every RPG, right? There is so much room here to be, to like, encourage other editors to to take a shot and 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 do their thing and the other side of that coin is that one of the things that i selfishly want more of and we talked about this in the beginning this is exclusively for me is i want more i want really insightful criticism to cross my dashboard because i think that it's I think that I was talking about the huge negative space in kind of tabletop RPG discussion. There's a couple different perspectives we can have on this. You know, I was talking elsewhere about how I really liked the brain modification zine from the Brain Trust about how the the production of ca- a guide to casting phantoms in the revolution. 
and uh, how that was cool to see the the creator's perspective on it. But I, I honestly really want to see more, you know, like YouTube content, podcast content. I know that blogs have been a huge staple of the tabletop scene. I like I am I'm here for I think I think I want to to bring other people into the into the fold of like, hey, there's a lot to talk about here. There's a lot to dissect. There's a lot that goes into all of these mm-hmm. things that we make. And I not only want to see it played, but I want to see it like discussed like the art that it is. That's what I want to speak into the ether, let me tell you. Because, um, <laughs> yeah, like I was talking about my YouTube channel being for me. <laughs> I want more video content. Feed me. <laughs> Give it to me. <laughs> digitize me captain (laughs) (laughs) yeah and that's that's part of the the book club thing that's always the twist ending is that hey you're like it's about it's not about only like sorry it's it's like that's part of the book club thing is that it's not only about reading a book that you want to read you know because you know consuming media like that's important and and cool that that it doesn't just languish on our shelves but Mm -hmm. also like at the end of it i'm like hey if there is a a twitter thread that you would write or a blog post that you would write or a voiceover with your phone that you would put a jpeg on and upload to youtube talking about the book you read i think that I, i i want what i want to see is more discussion from more people reading more books Mm-hmm. 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 That was the first thing you said. You had a second thing, mm-hmm. or were those both the same thing? <laughs> oh, oh, oh the, the the first one was the creators talking about their own work. You know, I think it's cool to see like design process. I think it's yes. cool whether it's in the book or elsewhere. Supplemental. I think there was one another one from recent memory was Chris Bissett talking about their game, a dragon game. Like mm-hmm. they released this whole like separate PDF alongside it that was like, hey, this is me talking about the fonts and the layout and and how I did everything and why I chose the things I did. And it was, it was so cool. Like, please look that up if you haven't. It was like seeing the design process as much as I am of the school of thought that, that is of, you know, I think I value more an audience's perspective than a author, like consistently repetitively narrativizing their own work. Cause I feel like there's only so much depth there and there's only, I think it's more, I think it can be more about controlling the perception of your own game than mm-hmm. anything else. Now, and I'm I'm not too keen on that. I'm like, you know, let's let's make new things if you want to say something new. But yeah, like hearing from creators and hearing from from audience members. Yeah, I definitely think there is. You know, <laughs> you search the words D and D five E on YouTube, you're gonna get. <laughs> I'm pulling at my Ten face right now. Ten videos about spell casting. Yeah. I know that no no dunking energy here, but I know the Alexandrian came to YouTube recently who who did a blog beforehand for a very long time and is still doing the blog, but you know, 10 10 videos are dedicated to what's your top first level spell? What's your top second level spell? And I'm like, "Damn it, dude." Come on! For a packed oathbreaker paladin level six, <laughs> multi-class with bard, pick these yeah. or else you'll suck at combat. You'll go Nova. No, I think there there really is. You know what you do, what Tony does for plus one XP, and what Taylor Bresh does for Game Closet. I think are very powerful showcases that are not actual plays. I I get into this conversation a lot with with people in my discord but you know 
we're on the end of the spectrum. It's like actual plays are not not like the best way to showcase a game because it's a very unique experience in that. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. You're not exactly executing the game. You're, it, you're putting a sort of it's an engine right but you're a totally different car and so that's gonna sort of coat the experience of the engine you're you have all these wheels and thing of how's a car work by do you know i I am not here for (laughs) how cars work yeah cool imagine that i explained to you for for another 20 minutes about how that's really i see that i see the metaphor yeah yeah. i I am off the train of (laughs) rpgs being food now they're cars (laughs) They are food. Holy no. shit. Hold on. I do know food. <laughs> They're totally food. Anyways, I do think there is, especially for the indie scene, and I mean like the sub indie scene. Sub is such a weird prefix to add. <laughs> Dom, sub, uh, switch, but. <laughs> I'm part of the switch indie scene, really. Oh, God. I'm so glad you're here. This is great. I hope, the, I hope you know we're having tons of fun here. I love it so much fun. But the uh, as far as I see it, this is my personal perspective. There are like three la- layers of 
of marketing sphere when it comes to games. You have like gotcha. the super mainstream, which is like Pathfinder, Numenera sits there, D&D, obviously. Then there's like this next layer that stuff like PBTA, Blades in the Dark. Iron Sworn is also getting up there as well. Mothership yeah, yeah. is kind of reaching that Ooh. space as well. Mm-hmm. And then there's everything that's sort of like below that which is a little bit more obscure. You kind of have to know somebody to know that that game's out there. You know, like a Dearest Slattery's Chair, Aditya's Space Goblins, the Lumen and Lux games that Spencer Campbell are working on. But you kind of have to be in that circle to know about it. And so that last layer is so unexplored in terms of like reviewership, right? Like the audience reviewer. And it's, you know, I think there's something really special about the, this sort of a, a pat, on the back for both of us and anyone else who sort of does this is that it's free advertisement and it's sort of like a charitable thing to do for, you know, I'm not trying to paint this as a picture of like, we are altruistic individuals. Like we are making content (laughs) for ourselves as reviewers too. I don't want to like give us a weird, weird space of like, we're abusing the free review, but you know, it's 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 totally like you said, like when you talked about why you created the YouTube channel in the first place is that that space is kind of like voided right now in terms of who's looking at this discord has ghosts in it or looking at Nova or looking at what's been like another really hot one, like uh, Kitchen Nightmares is getting out there. Gun and Slinger has been like really on the upper echelon of of people talking about it. And so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um yeah, I would love to see more creators. I think about doing it more and more. Like, that's part of the reason I have this show is so that I can get the designer on here to talk about their game. I was going to um, shout you out with Game Flight because you took yes. a look at three of Riverhouse Games' games back in June. Yes. Um, and it's like, hey, you know, there's, there's like, we're doing the, we're doing, we're talking about them. I think yeah, that there's, yeah. I think there's two interesting things here, which are, and I might forget one of them by the end. So perfect. That's too, too bad. But that's how this show works. There's a, I think that I've, I've been playing a lot of Sunless Skies. And when mm-hmm. we take two, two seconds at the very end to talk about this secret project I have, Yes. I've been playing a lot of Sunless Guys, and um, one of the one of the attributes you can have is you can have like a couple points in like like academe or villainy or establishment, and the fourth one is Bohemia, and I think we are Bohemia. <laughs> We are Bohemia here, okay? We are making art. We're making the weird art, and it's yes. so good. I think that part of the part of the fact of us being kind of like t- talking in this kind of hard to find, like we're beneath the ice in this way, right? Mm-hmm. It's like we have. I think that the stories that we are that we that we tell, the things that we make, are more specific, and I am far more interested in exploring what what a little detail means in one of our little games than something in a game that is so different in its goals. Like we can talk, I could, I could say, ah, D and D five E is so shallow. Right. But what I, what I mean by that is like, Hey, you know what? They are trying to make a product that appeals to such a wide, they're casting the the widest net possible. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know the 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 thinking heads that say like oh will the will D and D sixth edition be just like all role play because that's what's so popular right now no of course not because then mm-hmm. they'd be getting rid of the people that like crunch that would be mm-hmm. that would lose that audience so no of course of course it won't be sorry that's my hot take here but like <laughs> I'm more interested in small nets yeah Pick me small yeah. nets 
Yeah. Um, I think that there's there's a, a richer landscape to explore there. Were those both things? Don't look at me like that. <laughs> oh shit. Well, that, you know, the one thing that you intended to get out there. Yeah, I think what what did I hear it the other day? D&D is not a game anymore, it's a brand. And so Oh, I have a whole YouTube video about that that I'm writing with author Fiona Geist. Yes. But I think but, you're right, yeah. Yeah, it's totally it's totally gone beyond its product. It is now like an an entity in of itself with D&D Beyond, Critical Role, Dimension 20, Adventure Zone, you know. It's it's just it has so much public energy behind it. And so it it kind of, you know, s- sniffs its own butt sometimes in terms yeah. of like you know what? I am great. <laughs> you know what? I am the world's only role play. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that what they say? That's, uh, uh, that's, I think it's one word, you know, but it's close enough. Yeah. Close it's, enough. It has the, same, it has the same spirit. You know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to dunk on D and D less and less. Cause that's not what this show is about, but you yeah. know, it is when we talk about what we do, not just us as support staff, but also as designers out there. The big elephant in the room is that it, it's two things. On the con side, it takes up a lot of our bandwidth. It takes up a lot of like the marketing bandwidth. And it, it that's, does, yeah. that's sort of tough to come to terms with. But on the pro side, because it has such a magnetism and because it has so much of a self-propelled energy that it gets people to start doing the hobby. And, you know, it's the same thing when it comes to, like, entrepreneurism. You you need, or entrepreneurship, excuse me, wrong word. You need just those hundred true fans who will come to you and spend, like, $100 a month, and you've made it. Like, you're, you're cool on whatever agency or firm or creative endeavor you're doing, right? But in order to get those hundred true fans, you have to you have to have a conversation with a ton of people. Like you're not going to get a one to one conversion on everybody. You need like that 10,000 to get that 100 Mm -hmm. baby. So that's what D and D does for us in a lot of ways. And I think there is a side where we have to think about instead of dunking and being so angry at D and D for existing in the capacity that it does, I think what we really need to start moving towards and myself included is how do we abuse that? Right? Like how do we, Mm. how do we make that work for us? Oh, you like D and D then there's a good chance that you'll like, you know, if you like playing a paladin or do like that, if you like dungeons, right? Play some OSR content. I have this really cool indie OSR game. This Mm -hmm. is exactly what I wanted, right? It's, it's, it's goddamn, um, you know, like Torchbearer or Mouse Guard or something like that, right? You know, you, you you play a a druid all the time, right? Let's, let's do something that's a little bit like Animal Explorer or Nature Explorer, right? Uh Look at Gian Shim's games when it comes to like, all those keepsake adventures and the recently successful Shape of Shadows, right? Like all those journaling experiences. Or if you hate, you know, know, the, the, like scheduling aspect, I think there are single, there is the single player game section there. That's one Mm. of the things I I had this in mind when you were, when I was thinking about how I would answer the, you know, what am I seeing in the tabletop scene question, which is like single player games are booming. Yeah. Like, like one of the, I I see comments on everything, at least one person asking like, uh, can I play the single player? And it's like, Hell yeah. Yeah. 
do it. <laughs> yeah, how do we how do we do the single single play? You know, I think just just on D and D a little bit more. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I've I've also seen the same thing where people are trying to figure out like how do I have I scheduling is an adult nightmare when it comes to yeah. people who have day jobs and are not strictly focused on being like tabletop sort of resonant creatives, right? And how do I play with one player? How do I play by myself? You know, yeah. how do I play oh, with just that's... two people? That's why Go um, ahead. What's what's the the party of one podcast with Jeff Stormer? Yes. Like yes. that's like anyone who asks like hey, what's what's what do I do if it's just me and one other player? The the first thing is like, you know, Jeff built this podcast and now it's like the one thing where it's like, oh, go listen to Party of One. And it's like, we, yeah. it's possible. We can do it. Here's a whole bunch of games. And so, yeah, yeah, I think it's, it's like, hey, we have, we have the clay of creation here. Like, let's, let's build what we want to see in our, in our community. And like that, yeah. part of that is, yeah, I think there's more eyes on tabletop gaming here. Absolutely. Because of, because yeah. of 5e. And I think that, I, I think that I don't, I don't know how fruitful it is to try to chase like that wide of a target audience. Cause we can see that yeah. and we're like, Oh, can I match five E? And it's like, no, but we can, we can take advantage of the people that have spent a few years in D and D and are like, you know, there's gotta be more here. And then they yeah. like, click, 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 you know, and like, Oh my goodness, there's like a whole cave system here. It's like looking at a fucking where's Waldo. Yep. <laughs> Just, there has to be more here. <laughs> One of these pictures doesn't match. Uh huh. Oh man. No, that's absolutely that's absolutely true. And the other thing to consider too, and this also goes along with like Kickstarter controversy and stuff like that. Like, mm-hmm. how do you beat Kickstarter? It's a marketing conglomerate, and you know what can we do to match that? Here's the thing: Kickstarter, D and D, they've got years on you, right? How you know? How do you become the next Critical Role? How do you become the next Dimension Twenty? You can't. One, they've already blazed that path. Yeah. Two. They have time on you, right? It's like it's like when to say something it says like how do I how do I be Vi? How can I be Vi? Vi has a number has all bit one been born Vi and two <laughs> has grown up. You have a you you're never and Vi is going to continue to be Vi moving forward, whatever form or shape that takes, right? And so you'll never you're never going to catch up to that. It's so long as Vi exists. <laughs> Once Vi has deceased as all human beings do, you know, then you have a shot, I guess. <laughs> Maybe. Then you, then you have to be the person that's, like, right behind, and then, you know. Yeah. No, I think, I think I'm excited for people to surpass me. I think that I am, I am mm-hmm. all about boosting other small YouTube channels. I think that there's one channel called Dice Stew that mm. does awesome mm. stuff. There's one mm-hmm. channel, oh, I just saw it the other day. Pause on time. Resources. No, you're good. Dice do. I also take note of resources and stuff to put in links. And then there's C. A. Berlitz, Berlitz, who has been doing. And I, I don't know how in the world I didn't know this, but they've been doing like I don't know if it's weekly, but just like really consistent, like short overview videos of tabletop news they have a youtube channel just mm-hmm. under their name ca berlitz um b-e-r-l-i-t-z and it's like 
this is awesome, talking about all of the things that I'm seeing on my dashboard. And yeah, I'm, I am so excited. Like, no one's ever going to be me, but I'm so excited for people to surpass me. I want yeah. I want people to talk about stuff better than I do, like John Battle. I <laughs> love their stuff. <laughs> Aw. John Battle. Um, yeah, and so like, I'll, I'll be the first person to share your YouTube channel, as long as you're not beep, 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 you know, all the, all, any of those people. Yeah. yeah. Giving them no time. <laughs> I I just saw what I just see someone I saw a, a tweet about someone who makes kimonos oh. and they put up a sort of direct message they got for the lols but also for a little bit of like education purposes as well I think you know they said it was for the lols but uh, a model had reached out to her and be like hey I love your kimonos I would love to do like a shoot for you I'm about to be in Tokyo like in a in a couple of weeks do you want to like get together collaborate and hang out and she was like yeah absolutely here's like here's my rate for kimonos here's my rate for kimonos slash like teaching you how to wear one slash being here blah, 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 blah. and then like the the, <laughs> the clap back was wait but I'm a model don't you should hire me to sport your stuff my you know my however many instagram followers yeah much like neck gyrating energy was coming from this and like what why would you why would you start a relationship with like no 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 no. i'm trying to passively aggressively ask you to hire me (laughs) it's like wait (laughs) you want to collaborate with now i mean like that, I mean, like, and even just changing the tone of voice, it's like, or adding do, it's like, do you want to collaborate? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> huh? <laughs> do you want to pay me money? That's a that's a whole nother podcast episode in of itself. I often think about starting a pod, how-to podcast show, but there are already a ton of those out there, and Buzzsprout uh. kind of has the market, but anyways... You, you've been doing this for a while, and like everyone else, you started, right? Everyone starts in a different space, but it, you started nonetheless. You had the opportunity of a friend to have a camera for you, but, you know, as we're talking right now, I have bought a software that allows me to use my iPhone as a webcam. So, reason why I preface all that, being sort of like, first of all, what would you coin yourself as a YouTuber? Because when I, you know talking about what the audience perception is. I see you as like a reviewer most of the time is, is kind of what I see, but it, but would you add something else into that mix? I think I do aim for kind of like media analysis. Like I try to, mm-hmm. I try to do like some video essay stuff. I try to do that sort of thing. I think one of the, one of the biggest um, indicators of that is the one that you said was the first video of mine that you saw, mm-hmm. which was the, the invisible sun video, which is part of my spell check series. So mm-hmm. I think that, you know, not, I didn't really talk much about the system. I used, you know, having a conversation about how it does spell casting to talk about bits of it. And part mm-hmm. of it was criticism. Part of it was comparison. You know, a lot of my, in, in every episode of my spell check stuff, I try to tie it back in to the previous episodes. I say, how does this compare to where we started with 5e and Wonder Wickedness and White Hack and, and Ark and Invisible Sun and see like the commonalities and, and see, and then also you know, as a way of seeing what it brings to the table that's new. And I think that, you know, that's part of my goal of, 
of bringing a an environment of conversation to the table where it's like, hey, we can we can compare and contrast these not to see what is better and what is worse, but to see their goals and to like, Mm -hmm. and, and I think that's really cool. I think that I could be doing that with more than just magic systems. I think that's part of what just calls to me. It's like, Hey, you know, Mm -hmm. it's, I'm talking about the magic system. And, uh, so yeah, I'd I'd say reviewer, I'd say video essayist. Yeah. I I sometimes do some advertising, some shout outs, or at Mm -hmm. least I've done one or two of those, but yeah. um, Hey, make that money. I'm here for it. I'm here for it. Yeah, I mean, as as you mentioned earlier in the in the episode, you know, I also am a big fan of. I, I watch a lot of game video, like video game essays, like mm-hmm. breaking down mechanics. Like GM Toolkit is a huge one for me. Adam Millard. There's another one that starts with an R, but I can't remember off the top of my head. And then I I watch a lot of like film one slash story structure stuff, so like Studio yeah. Binder, Filmento, Nerdwriter One. As far as like video essays go, and I've also seen every film of painting. And I think what you do differently for me is that some of those feel or have an energy that isn't conversational. It's more Mm. just like presentary where I think that you have a more like engaged, like almost like we're sitting in the same room sort of thing. Whereas like the other ones feel like I'm sitting in a stadium, if that makes sense. Like they're like, I'm I'm here with a bunch of other people and we're just like Mm -hmm. absorbing it. And there's no like, then we get to take that home at the end of the day and decide what it is for us. But it's almost like, it's almost like where <laughs> I can feel the pauses in which I have asked you a question and now you are rebuttaling in your video. So I think the, the, what I like about yours, just the different energy you bring as, as we sort of talked about earlier uh, off mic about how it's just a very like casual professional experience and we you mentioned how you want to sort of maintain being a one man if not at maximum a two man sort of show also two person hello my poisoned (laughs) mind it's there always it's hard it's not hard well it's hard and it's not hard anyways two person show anyways i'll put my foot in my mouth but that's only because i like it and I had to, I had to really, really hesitate. I don't know if yeah. we established our relationship here enough, but I was about to crack a joke. It's like, put your foot in my mouth, but I didn't think yeah, that was appropriate. Yeah, go ahead. You know, I've never tried it. Let's see what happens. If I don't like it, we'll stop. Well, you know yeah, what I mean? That's the conversation. I'm going to sound really, the... really pretentious here, but I think that yeah. part of what brings that energy to the YouTube channel is that tabletop is, it's not discreet. Like, I can't talk about a tabletop adventure like I talk about a film. I can't talk about three-act structure or mm. exactly what will happen at your table. I think that mm-hmm. talking about it in that open way about probabilities, or rather, like, you know, what what is probable to happen is as far as I can really ethically go. And I think that is what I love so much about it. And that's what I'm searching for. I'm searching for that spot, the balance of, of like... How do we talk about non-discrete media? We can talk about it discreetly. We, I can say this illustration is here. I can say these words are in this order. But I think that it's more interesting to, to explore it in a way that is unique to um, the medium. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think that there there is totally a... I feel like film and video games have 
such a it's almost like the monotheism or in terms of like the hero's journey and stuff like or those two things are not connected at all jeremy i don't remember <laughs> I was what i was watching it. that caused it yeah <laughs> not connected at all it's like the hero's journey stuff where like in in western storytelling we're sort of in a in a state as far as like film or story uh creation is concerned at a mass level that kind of self-perpetuates itself like we started analyzing things using the same methods and now we're then that sort of has this very weird effect of now trying to create things using those analytical methods. Mm-hmm. So when we talk, so to bring that to tabletop games doesn't really work because I think that ta- this is my personal perception, but I, I feel tabletops live in the same space as like visual art lives in, in that it's something that's really hard to. Both, both qualify and quantify at the same time mm-hmm. that even the two OSR games next to each other are going to be vastly different in presentation of style, their concepts around the OSR sort of brain. Yeah. And then even like, even then you have to ask the question, like, what is OSR? It's not really something we can answer the same way. Like, what is a three act structure or, right, right. you know, what is a four act structure or whatever? How do you, how do you make a serialized episode TV show? Right? Like all mm-hmm. those sort of bigger mediums, medias are self sort of self perpetuating currently. And I'm only speaking to like the West. I can't speak for like Eastern style storytelling, which is, I know vastly different compared to us. But for, for tabletop games, I think you, you really hit the nail on the head and, I think we've all talked about this one way or another just in the biome in of itself, but it's just so nebulous. It's so amorphous. It's so je ne sais quoi, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's what we should be focusing on when we're, when we're talking about it is you know, I, I hear a lot about how, Hey, tabletop RPGs are new they're pretty new mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. conversations about them are like, like I, I am like the other one of the, one of the other many, many reasons that I started my YouTube channel was because I was like, not only cause like, Oh, there's blank space here, but also because like I get to fill that. I get to help mm-hmm. drive conversation. I get the, mm-hmm. and, and the way that some, like the people who choose to watch it might start thinking about the things that I talk about or using that to think about the things I don't talk about through those lenses and oh that's so cool oh mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. I want and, and like and that's I, I lift up voices because I want to look at other I want to hear other perspectives I want to find new ways of looking at things join me is what I'm saying <laughs> join us yeah it's part of the reason I started the podcast too when I when I first got into the tabletop design space, I was like, oh, I want to be a game designer. So let me see if I can find some resources. Mm-hmm. Lots of YouTube stuff is like D&D homebrew dedicated. Yeah, yeah. Very, very rarely can I find like an indie game stuff. And then there was like some very small blades in the dark things like the vigilante playbook or crew sheet and everything like that. But mm-hmm. I couldn't really find something even in podcast form that wasn't like board game related or board game tech or people talking, just talking about their own games and how those mechanisms apply them. And, you know, as we're having this current conversation, maybe back then I was a little bit naive to think that when we talk about 
tabletop design and me relating it to an art form, it's really hard to capture exactly what someone is doing. I know there's a lot of like theory, game theory, play theory conversations out there as well. But again, it's like, it's like, again, what's the difference between like, yeah, this, the, if you painted the same picture with oil or paint it with watercolor, it's going to be different. But then at the same time, it's the same picture, but at the same time, it's not the same, right? So, but part of the reason I made this channel is to basically talk with artists, essentially, I guess is what I'm saying is like, cool. So if like you could talk about your design so that people can get an understanding of what you were trying to do, then does that help, does that help them come to decisions about their own? Cause you know, I, you know, you could connect to Rembrandt, you could connect to Van Gogh, you could connect to what is another name on this like art mug that I have Rococo, right? Like it's, it's, those things speak to me. I want to emulate and iterate on those things. So then we go into like, Oh, Adam Vass really inspires me. I want to mm-hmm. uh, imitate and iterate, right? Vi makes a YouTube channel, but doesn't talk about like this one thing, right? Yeah. So now how do I imitate and iterate that? Yeah. And so for me, it's like, I'm not hearing, I'm not hearing about the things I want to hear about when I want to learn about game design. So mm-hmm. how do I imitate and iterate upon that? Right. And so I think that's, I think the reason we're having that I brought this up in this episode and that you've already said is like, come join us because one, again, it's about, mm-hmm the different perspectives and two, honestly we may not be thinking about something you want to hear and we just may not have the network we may not have the latitude to execute on those particular ideas you know you know what if someone's it's, not doing it do it yourself it's what you were saying earlier where like you're never gonna be vi because vi is vi and you know yeah. what who are you i want to know who you are yeah because no one yeah. else is gonna be you yeah yeah and, and I'm excited I think there's also, that you're here, Jeremy. It's uh, true. It, and also, like, if you think that you have, if you think that you have a good idea, if you think that you have a good perspective on what's going on, speak up. Yeah, speak please. up. Make please. make something. Make something for yourself. I think this. It's unfortunate. This is like at the table end of the episode, but there there is something to to say about like that relates to creating new spaces for a more diverse culture in the tabletop scene. And my personal feeling is that we can't wait for people to open up chairs at their tables for us. So I think that if you want a sooner example of that, or if you want to be heard sooner, just make your own thing. There no is, one can stop you. It's true. No one can stop you, actually. <laughs> yeah, um, literally no one can stop you. <laughs> there was something really inspiring I saw. Um, there's this honestly really inspiring thing that I, I saw on Twitter the other day. I, I believe it was Pam Pamu at the Dovetailer on Twitter who said that... Yeah, so, so, like something along the lines of like, like RPG Southeast Asia did not wait for permission from America or from, you know, anyone to start making things. You know, it was, you know, because and I don't think that I, I don't think seeking that permission from any other group as, as you're talking about bringing more diverse voices into the, the tabletop scene. I think that I, I, I think that it's it's not something that. 
I, 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 don't, I don't think seeking permission is is the first thing you should do. I think that creation is is the is the first goal. And then because I saw there was there was the specific wording of something that recently that was like like we need to make space. And it's like like for for more more diverse voices, and I I agree with that. Like, hey, we <laughs> let's let's bring into conversation the conversations that we're having, the things that other people are are already doing, and help cultivate that. But mm-hmm. I think that it's I don't know what word is right here, if but but I think that it's I think that seeking a- approval or permission to do stuff like that is like, you know, I th- that seems like a secondary, a secondary goal. I don't know if I'm the right person to be saying that, but yeah, yeah, yeah. no, I mean, uh, I'll, I'll be one of the right people to say it, I guess, in this particular context is like, here's my thing. I, I attribute it to the same way as like, I think about the classic corporate job is that you come in junior level you work your ass off to no avail because mm, mm. you can't be promoted unless someone leaves because they don't want to pay more money for positions they don't uh, want to create, right? So mm-hmm. they become a senior executive or whatever. And you're like, man, I would love to be on like the CEO board. Well, those people are probably making an absolute dick ton of money. So like they are not willing to give up their seat for a long time, even if they're like, well, you know, keep keep working really hard and you'll advance the corporate ladder. Like, you can't. You can't <laughs> advance to a seat that already has a butt in it, right? Yeah. And I think there are individuals who are trying very hard to create spaces, to open up spaces to other people. But mm-hmm. I think that it's also a weird... This is me. This is my personal perspective on it. Mm-hmm. But, like... Mm-hmm. If I were to join, like, I love Tony. Tony's cool. I have no issues with Tony. But if, like, if I was to join the plus one XP team on, like, a high up position, it's still Tony's show. It's not my space, right? Yeah. I'm still a part of Tony's space. No matter how many ways Tony yeah. tries to, like, be forward about that and slice it up and be like, hey, I really want Jeremy to be, like, at the forefront of this thing, it's just – it's not going to happen. The brand's already attached to him. It's it's going <laughs> to continuously exist in that manner. So, like, I have to make draw your dice. I have to make, like, engaged media or whatever the fuck I want to call it. Like, I can't – I can't rely solely on the good faith of others to make my way in this new world or to craft new paths for people because it will always be attached to the original entity. Mm, And if mm. that original entity is a a white ally, cool, great. Like kudos, white straight ally. Like I love that you're helping, but it will never feel like mine. Right. Where, you know, it's the same for like black America where like America doesn't really feel like ours right now because you know, additional conversations about redlining and blah, blah, blah. And and being excommunicated, you know, that's a whole, again, that's a whole other thing. But my point is, is that, like we said, literally no one can stop you and there will be people that support you and want to see you grow. And that's like the version of allyship that I think is more useful for us is that like, this their this person is not attached to my channel, but here they are. Like I want to keep like shouting out this person or like use that influence to have, like and also bring people in. But all I'm saying is that like 
the shorter path is to just do our own thing. Like we just have to start doing our own thing and not letting people like put us down or shove us out. And if they want to support us, use your voice to support us, not really like bring us into your brand or fold or corporation because your, your butt's still in that seat. You're, Mm. you know, you cultivated that brand and you, you know, I don't think you should give it up to someone else if that's not the pet, like if you're not trying to sell your business, right. But you know, it's not going to be mine. So I want to make my thing. I want to own it. I want to have the creative say in what I'm doing. I love that. Yeah. And I love your thing. Let's keep it going. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Let's go. Let's get to, I think I'm almost at 52 episodes. It's only been half a year, so I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do for the second half. My goal was just do 52. Uh Uh Anyways, not about me. So. Vi, I think that is going to I think we talked about a lot of cool things. I think that's gonna bring us to the top of the show. We're at the we're at the ninety minute mark for sure. Mm-hmm. Any last you know, once again, tell them where you can find you, talk to you, hire you, what can they get from your stuff? What have you worked on that you're really proud of? All these links and things will be down below in the show notes so you can get attached to Vi on a parasocial level. <laughs> I am at Collabs without permission on YouTube. Go watch my stuff. It's free. It's YouTube videos. You know, maybe back my Patreon. I have like a two hour long secret patron playlist. I should talk more about that. Ooh. <laughs> $5 or more secret playlist. There's a uh, Twitter account at IMMA Waffle Bunny. I'm a Waffle Bunny. Come and, and hit like on my posts to help me waste time as I'm editing. No, don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> DM me. Talk to me. Post stuff in my comment sections. Just like, and, and you know what, if you could do me a favor and I'm going to take this time, that's all mine to give to give you listener a shout out, make something, make, do it, make something. I'm excited. I'll watch it. I'll click like, I'll leave comments on your stuff for a change. How do you like that? Affect the algorithm. That's basically me. If you want to, if you want to see something I've done, you should check out Ice Fleet by Kawan. I don't talk about it enough, but I helped edit a Hmm. tabletop adventure that's paired with like a, like a ambient metal like vinyl album it's the coolest shit or just or just like yeah i don't know you can hire me i'll edit your stuff i edited some some cool stuff but from a for a brain trust member recently that was cool i think they got me on the show maybe it did maybe it didn't who knows knows? who's bribing Uh, that's that's just me i'm just here being being myself and yeah Yeah. straight goofing yeah oh i am writing i am writing my first game I'm writing a yes. game. It's a, it's a system, unfortunately. No, but it's mostly adventures. Yes. It's, uh, it's super secret. It's a single-player game. But you know what? The ideas in it are hopefully interesting enough to be adapted to just whatever you're doing. Because it's yes. a bunch of modular stuff by nature of it being about sailing. <gasps> That's what it is. It's a, it's a single-player journaling game where you keep a captain's log. It's basically Sunless Sea or Sunless Skies. It's called... Should I, should I drop the name? Should I drop the, drop the, pr- name. the alpha name? <laughs> if you put, it's called, yeah, give, give the project name, yeah. <laughs> it's called, or it will be called, Starless Sailors. Starless Sailors. Because I'm a hack. That's why. <laughs> also because, um, you know, you, you'll never find your way without them. No, yeah. It's, and, that's the, and that's what's cool about it. It's also a little spooky. Spooky, eldritchy, yep. out in the oceans. Mm-hmm. I hate mm-hmm. it. 
<laughs> terrible fear with revealing myself. I think that's going to bring us to the end of the show. Thank you, everyone, for being here today. Thank you, Vi, for being on the show. I hope that you all had a great opportunity to sit along with us and listen, because I know I learned a lot here today as well. We will catch you next time. Say bye to the people. Bye. Goodbye, people. Bye to the people. Bye. All right, that's a wrap. Thank you for taking the time to sit down and hang out with Vi and I. We really appreciate it. You can find links and resources down below in the show notes, such as getting in touch with Vi or other episodes with similar topics. If you want to be a part of the conversation, please consider joining the community Discord server. Also, make sure to subscribe to the Draw Your Dice Patreon, where you can get access to early releases of episodes from as soon as we interview. Thanks again for stopping by, and as always, I will catch you next time. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.